Welcome to our latest series in Boss Big Corner with our newest partnership with Algonquin College. Being an Algonquin College Pembroke alumni myself, I am pleased to partner with Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus, featuring alumni who went back to school and are now excelling in different industries. Get a glimpse into what programs the college all offers, what former students' college experiences were like, how a specific program led to landing their dream job, and why you too should consider a career at this post-secondary institution. Let's dive in and hear how these successful alumni are making some incredible moves in their careers. Welcome to Boss Babe Corner, meets Algonquin College, Pembroke Waterfront Campus. My name is Megan Evans and I am an employee at Algonquin College's Pembroke Campus. I'm also an Algonquin College alumni. Located right along the Ottawa River, this is the perfect environment for anyone to study. We have over 20 different programs to choose from, which include programs in healthcare, trades, outdoor studies, social sciences, and technology. If you are interested in learning more about why you should come study with us, visit our website at algonquincollege.com Pembroke, or book a campus tour and come check out our amazing facilities. We can't wait to help you transform your hopes and dreams into lifelong successes. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner meets Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus. The two-year Outdoor Adventure Naturalist program is delivered in a compressed format over 43 weeks and is the perfect choice for anyone that's interested in working in the adventure sector, guiding and educating clients through interpretation of natural environments. The program was actually created with Wilderness Tours, Canada's largest outdoor adventure company that's based right here in the Ottawa Valley. Now we have featured a former ODEN outdoor adventure naturalist alumni, but today we're going to hear from a current student in the program who relocated here from across Ontario and is a pretty big sports celebrity in our city. She's the Canadian curler that recently represented Team Quebec at the Scotty Tournament of Hearts in BC. Now for curling sports fans out there, you might also recognize her last name as she is the eldest daughter of curling legends Wayne and Sherry Midoff. But take a back seat, mom and dad, because this boss babe is making waves in the sports world. Please welcome Kelly Middaw to Boss Babe Corner. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Happy to be here. Kelly, it's so nice to meet you. And like I was saying off the pod, you are going to definitely have to educate me about curling because I know nothing about this sport other than the fact that it's just pushing pushing like a puck across the ice if I'm not mistaken yeah it's um not really a puck it is 42 and a half pounds of granite stone um and each team gets eight stones and it's basically like a frozen version of like lawn bowling <laughs> is how I explain it to people um yeah but working as a team you're trying to score as many points with your eight rocks every end or that's another word for like an inning I guess in baseball so you have eight to ten rounds depending on the level of curling at the Scotties we had ten rounds and by the end whoever has the most points wins cool okay well we're gonna get a little bit more into curling later but first I want to talk about where you're originally from because when I read your wikipedia no big deal Kelly I would like <laughs> brag about that too being like I'm on wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> but I read that you're originally from Victoria Harbor. So whereabouts in Ontario is that? 
Yeah, so I grew up in Victoria Harbor. Uh, it's about 45 minutes north of Barrie. So small town uh, just on the part of Georgian Bay. Okay. So before I ask you what brought you to Pembroke, I want to hear more about your childhood and how curling played a huge role in it. Sure. Um, so growing up, as you've mentioned, uh, both my parents are pretty big names in the curling world. So that was always a part of my childhood and a pretty large part of it. Um, even though my younger sister and I weren't always going to things with them, it was always on TV and they were always gone on weekends or long weeks and my grandparents were always over so it was always on the tv my parents were always just either in person or just somewhere we could see them so that was always kind of cool and then in the summer when they weren't curling we were just always outside and enjoying the benefits of living on Georgian Bay now did your friends know or classmates like did everybody know who your parents were or did their parents know like what was that like for you growing up yeah most people knew it was a small town um we only had around three thousand people in victoria harbor so everybody kind of knows one another and people definitely do know and it was very cool um for other parents and stuff most of my friends didn't really care as much about curling as did i i didn't really care too much when i was growing up um, so it wasn't really a huge like brag factor growing up. <laughs> now, because I talked to so many entrepreneurs and especially this is actually going to be kind of a different turn because being a child of two celebrity sports parents, and you were saying like they were gone a lot of the time. And so like, how was that for you and your sister growing up? Like, was it kind of lonely? Were you just so used to it? Like I know, especially being in, in my hometown of Petawawa, I grew up with a lot of kids whose parents were in the military. So like they were used to their, their parents being gone. A lot of the time it was their dads. What was that like for you? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, that's what I grew up with. So it's hard to explain any different. Um, but we had a huge support system as a family. My grandparents lived close by. So we saw them lots. My aunt and my first cousin, Jen, also lived down the street pretty much growing up my entire life so it was always just a very close-knit family and whenever my parents weren't there we always had lots of other people to rely on and my sister and I were part of lots of sports and clubs at school so we were just always busy. So because you and your sister were immersed in curling at such a young age kind of didn't really have a choice eh Kelly like you were just kind of thrown in there did this inspire you though to want to pursue it competitively? Uh, definitely. It took a little bit to catch the curling bug. Um, when we started curling, we were a little against it, kind of wanted to make our own path. So we tried a whole bunch of different sports and like instruments and just, just a whole bunch of other things to kind of carve our own path. But as we started to get a little bit older and started to get a bit more competitive in curling, as we started to make more friends, we kind of just fell into it really naturally. Um, and that's where the last name kind of falls easier. More people want to be on teams originally. And then it was just getting to know people and making friends that got us on teams and got us going to more tournaments, which means you meet more people and you just kind of fall into a rhythm. Now, with both of your parents being curling legends, did you or do you currently feel the expectation carrying on this legacy yourself? Because regardless of the public perception, Kelly, I'm sure you have your own personal pressures on yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think every athlete has 
personal standards and those standards are always higher than anybody else's standards. Um, there's definitely a little bit of pressure from outside sources, but I don't feel it too much. I was putting it on a little bit this past week at the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, um, but just in regular competition, especially in Ontario now, though the connection is there, it's not as to the forefront as it used to be when I first started. Now, my listeners are probably wondering how your personal success story is tied to Algonquin College, but how you wound up playing for Team St. George's, which is based out of Quebec, has a lot to do with our local community college's location. So tell us more about that. Yes. So I finished my undergraduate degree at Laurier and decided I didn't want to do anything with that field. Um, and I loved being outdoors, especially since where I grew up, I spent a lot of time outdoors and I had worked previous jobs in the outdoor industry. So I was looking for another program that was short and that could get me a little bit more professional experience just to put on a resume and help me get my foot in the door with a few more higher up positions. And I stumbled across the Algonquin program and immediately thought it was fantastic. Uh, the location definitely presented a little bit of difficulty when thinking of playing with previous teammates and many of my past teammates were either from Toronto or the KW area, uh, which is not super close to Pembroke. Um, as I started looking around though, I realized it was a lot closer to Montreal than it was Toronto and KW. So I reached out to Team St. George because I had seen that they were looking for a new player. And I just sent Lori, who is our skip, an Instagram DM. And we hit it off right away. We had a few Zoom calls and then just kind of fell into place. I remember actually watching an interview about you saying that, that you slid into her DMs to ask oh, yeah. him. <laughs> I love that. You know what? Like that's how you get places nowadays. It's just by like reaching out, either like sending a voice memo over Instagram or a Facebook message and just saying like, Hey, how's it going? Like you're looking for someone that is how we do it. That's how, you know what? That's how us millennials and Gen Z's are like making waves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I always go into a new season if I'm looking for a new team is the worst thing they say is no. Exactly. And then at least in the future, they know I'm still looking for a team if something does pop up. Kelly, because if you don't ask, you don't get, right? Exactly. So the location was prime for you distance-wise to commute back and forth, but I want to hear more about what drew you to the Outdoor Adventure Naturalist program. Um, the program itself had a lot of qualities that I liked. Um, I've worked in the outdoor education industry for a couple years. I was an outdoor educator at a forest school and then also a wildlife center where I was leading like hikes and canoe like just guided canoe trips throughout the day so they're only ever afternoons um or mornings so just a couple hours like super easy and nice and just getting along with the participants and showing them small aspects of nature and I really loved that I just wanted more information to be able to share with those people um and so with the ODAN program, they teach canoeing and kayaking and hiking, but then they also really go into the interpretive aspect of it, where you're learning about the wildlife and the plant life in a lot of areas, and you can kind of focus on which er area of the world you want. So I 
try and focus all my learning on the Georgian Bay or at least the Ontario area whenever I have the chance to learn about more animals or plants. And so it's kind of really nice that you can direct your learning if more people are going to work in South America eventually one day or they want to go to Europe, they can try and pick plants and animals to do projects on that are in those areas so they can build their knowledge for where they want to work. And so the program itself, I really like that interpretive aspect because most of the ones I saw, they were either really hard skills or just the soft skills. And it seemed like a nice blend of both. Kelly, I have to tell you, because I'm an Algonquin College alumni, I took office administration way back in the day. I'm trying to even think, I'm like, I think I graduated in 2007. So like, you were just like a babe at the time, but <laughs> tell me what you're enjoying most about the program and your classmates. Right now, I would say the things I enjoy the most about the program are each of our weeks are broken into three days in class and then two days in the field. Um, and I really enjoy that blend. Um, we have some really inter interesting courses this term. We're doing um, a wildlife and birding course. Um, and we're also doing a marketing course, which is super interesting. Both of the instructors I love so much. Um, and so it makes me excited to go and sit in a classroom, especially after doing my undergraduate degree and finishing it on Zoom pretty much. Um, and then I love going out at the end of the week and just spending that time with my classmates and doing some hands-on stuff. It is like the perfect end to sitting in a class for three days and then going into the weekend. Um, when we get out to actually do some camping and some days we go into the weekend, so we're out for four days, it feels more like a vacation school. Like you're just having fun with a group of friends. And then there are some instructors along the way kind of marking you for leadership and stuff. But it seems just more like a long weekend, which yeah. is so nice. That's so fun. Now, like we were talking about, you come from a small town that's quiet, it's peaceful, it's located on the banks of Georgian Bay. And although I've never been, it sounds very similar to Pembroke, especially with us being right on the Ottawa River. So I'm so curious, Kelly, what do you enjoy most about living here in Pembroke? Yeah, I definitely enjoy the small town aspect. Um, I recently moved to Etobicoke with my fiance. Uh, we both finished our undergraduate degree at Laurier. Um, and so moving into the city was a little bit of a change just because I am so used to a small town and I love that aspect of life. Just kind of nothing being close, but also if you needed to get somewhere, it is available. Um, and so being in the city and subways and just traffic, I'm not about that at all. I'd rather have only one stop sign in the town kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so I enjoy being in Pembroke because I really only go in the main, on the main street and like go to Metro for all my groceries, which is like two minutes away. Um, and it's just nice that all of my friends live down the street now and everything's in walking distance. The curling club's super close. So it's just all of those things that, yes, everything's still nice and close and it's a close, tight-knit community, but also it's not busy, which I love. Yeah, I know. When my husband like complains about coming home from work and being like, oh, there was so much traffic. I'm like, okay, <laughs> go spend a time, like go spend your time at rush hour in Ottawa or in Toronto and then like come home and complain because like just our five stop signs and lights 
driving yes. home. Yeah. Nothing. You just have to hit a couple potholes. That's all. <laughs> but Kelly, when you were mentioning about the Pembroke Curling Club, I'm embarrassed because I'm a local. I've been born and raised here and lived here all my life. And I didn't even know that we had a curling club here. Yes. It's right next to the pool. That's where I always explain <laughs> it is for people. So would you say that there's a mix of age ranges of people that curl? Like, are there, are there older people? Are there more people your age? Or is there a good range of both? Uh, it is definitely at the recreational level um, an older sport. Um, I play in a Monday league and I would say the average age is 60 plus. <laughs> I am the youngest person by a little bit, um, but I <laughs> really bit. enjoy it. So I just feel like I'm kind of adopted by like 50 grandparents. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And you know what's so funny, though, too, is that your parents never have to worry. They're like, Kelly is, she's going to be well looked after by everybody. They're just going to embrace her, take her in. They're maybe going to throw her a Werther here or there. (laughs) Pretty much. I I would send my parents pictures. I'd be like, oh, my teammate, he brought me some soup tonight. So I have dinner after my game. (laughs) They don't have to worry about their daughter having like a complete different college experience, maybe than what they had. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that at Laurier. So I, I'm I'm a little different here at Algonquin. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about men and women? Are there more are there more men that are curlers? Do you find again like a good range of both? Um, it really depends on the club and the level. There are ladies leagues and there are men's leagues. Um, the league I play in is an open league and it is definitely more male dominated. I think we only have six ladies in the league altogether, and that's including me. Um, so we have one female team, and then myself, who sp- is on a team with three other men. And then there's some ladies who spare. So basically just if someone is sick or can't make a game, they'll come in. Um, but besides that, it's a pretty male-dominated club, but that's okay. <laughs> but I also read that you're like recruiting classmates and friends to come join you though, Kelly. So like you're putting the curling club on the map. I'm trying. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been trying to get some of my friends from my program out just because when they heard I was going to the Scotties and then in the fall, I was also leaving every weekend pretty much to go play in other tournaments. Um, and so the ones that I'm really close to, they have been watching and supporting and they were tuning in and sending me pictures of the tv this past week um and so they all want to really try it and i want to take them out sometime that's awesome now between going to school curling being a regular and i say this in quotations because kelly you're no you're no regular 23 year old (laughs) that's in college how have you been able to juggle everything it's definitely busy um, I focus completely, um, during the school year on curling. So I don't have a job at the same time. Um, I only work, uh, when I'm not in school. So that's a huge privilege that I have. And I'm so thankful that I can focus entirely on curling. Um, so I, I don't really know any different. I've been curling competitively since, I started high school, so pretty much 
all of my more studious times, my university, college, and high school. I was always curling on weekends. I was always practicing after school days. I was watching games when I wasn't playing. So it's just always kind of been there. And I'm just having to prioritize things to make sure I can get out and do the things I love. Now, what about in your personal life? Maintaining friendships, visiting your family back home, making time for your fiance. Is he still out in Etobicoke too? Yeah. Yeah. So how are you prioritizing everybody and visiting everyone and texting everybody back and FaceTiming and, and just taking the time for everybody while also not burning yourself out? It's busy. It's tricky. I don't see my family as much as I'd like, sadly. Uh, My fiance, I try to visit on weekends when I have the chance, but it is not a quick drive from Pembroke to Etobicoke. So it wasn't as often as I'd like to see him. Um, In the fall, I had a few commitments that brought me into the city. So it was nice that I could just use that as an excuse to come see him. But in the winter, it's been a little bit less. Um, When I came back for the Scotties, because I flew out of Toronto, I used that as an excuse to come and leave a few days early. So then we had a few days together. And now reading week, so I'm in Etobicoke to see him still. But all of January, I didn't see him at all, um, just because I was at school. So I hadn't seen him since Christmas break. So it's a little tricky. um, And I'm sure it's not the ideal situation for him and it's definitely not for me either, but we knew that the program was 16 months and I really wanted to do it. And so we just said in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't be that horrible to be away for that amount of time. And it just means that I won't have to be away later as much. That's right. And I mean, as corny as it sounds, absence makes the heart grow fonder, but from one, from one woman to another, Kelly, I did long distance relationship with my husband, like the entirety of our relationship for the most part. And um, yeah, it just like, I think it, I think it makes you stronger, like your relationship stronger. It makes you more independent. You don't have to rely on each other. And it's really important, I think, to focus on your own goals and your own aspirations and your own friendships. And then like when you are together, it just makes it so much more meaningful. And, uh, and then that creates that strong bond and foundation for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My partner and I always say that we're doing life together that, um, we're doing the things we would do independently, but we just get to enjoy each other's benefits with it and help each other out along the way. So it's really nice. <laughs> I love that. Now we can't scathe over the fact that you just returned from the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, Kelly, which is a pretty big deal because it's the National Women's Curling Championship, which like I was saying earlier, was held out in BC. How was it? It was amazing. Um, I'm still kind of, thinking back and kind of reflecting a little bit it just the tournament itself ended yesterday my fiance and I were on the couch watching the final which was a little weird to think about that I was playing in it the day before and since we had lost out and didn't actually make playoffs we were just got on a flight and came home and then all of a sudden we were watching it on the couch like we do every other year um so it was a little bit of a weird reflection moment but being back home just kind of motivated me to do more for next year and make sure I could be in those playoff games. But this week has been amazing. And I'm just so happy that I got the opportunity to play in the Scotties because it is such a huge milestone for any Canadian curler. The Scotties and the Briars, what everyone looks to and what everyone wants to play in. And to be able to do that, and especially at such a young age, 
is just a huge step in my curling career. And I just smile and I get so proud every time I think of it. And you should be, because that is a huge accomplishment, Kelly, especially, especially so young, like you were saying, like 23 years old. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Now, were your parents there to cheer you on too? Yes. My parents and then my grandparents and my fiance all flew out and came and watched. So it was really special. That's amazing. I remember when we had on Jolyn Wong, she went out to Tokyo and it was during the pandemic and she participated in the Paralympics. I think it was. And it was really disheartening because there were, there was no crowd, no audience, no family. She was there all by herself and it was just a different experience. So I'm really happy to hear that you, you got to actually have a live audience cheering you on, look out to the stand, see family. I mean, maybe you weren't able to see them, but you knew that they were there. Like that just makes like the whole experience even so much better. Just knowing that you have that support there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. And curling's a small enough sport that even with people in the stands, you can still look out and find my family. So I could see them uh, during the games. And if they were loud enough after I made a good shot or my teammates made a good shot, I could hear them. So that's always really nice. Even though you are trying to tune out the crowd a little bit, I could still hear them and notice them if I wanted to. So it's just really special to have those personal connections right there cheering you on. So Kelly, what is your end goal after you graduate? Where do you want to wind up and what do you think you're going to do career-wise? Um, I'm not sure completely yet. Um, I'm my fiance and I are very much go with the flow people and just trying to see where opportunities take us and what pop up throughout just organically. Um, but I do definitely want to work in the outdoor education side of things. I have loved what I've done. I'm going back to work at the forest school I was at last year in the spring. So I'm looking forward to that already. Um, If I could work at a forest school full-time after I've graduated, that would be great. And definitely something I would wanna do in the immediate future. I don't know if that's what I wanna do long-term, if I wanna go back to kind of wildlife center or a provincial or federal park kind of thing. Just anything where I'm interpreting for the public, maybe not doing long-term expeditions where I'm leading 20-day backcountry trips. So that's what I'm looking forward to, and that's hopefully what I can get into. But we'll see where life takes me because I'm kind of just ready to do whatever. Now, do you think you're going to end up pursuing curling professionally and then kind of maybe seeing where that goes and maybe putting your education to use later on? Uh, We will see curling's a bit of a, a hard sport to get into especially in Canada for the professional side of things and I put professional in air quotes because it is almost impossible to do professionally in Canada just because there is a hard time of breaking into the barrier of funding um, and there isn't a lot of funding from curling Canada to do it on the professional side Um, so many curlers, even the elite ones in Canada, they all have full-time jobs. So even though they are athletes from the sport of curling in the world, they cannot focus entirely on it. They have to still work a nine to five Monday to Friday job to support their family. Um, so it's a hard task to kind of juggle and especially trying to compete with other countries where they do have the funding to do it full time 
Um, but I am looking forward to it and seeing my parents do it all growing up. My dad and mom work. So they both have jobs and competed alongside that. So I know the amount of work and blood and sweat and tears they put into raising me and my sister working and then also curling whenever they had time. So it'll be a challenge, but I think I'm up for it for the rest of my life. I was going to say, I think that you're definitely up for the challenge. You've got a good head on your shoulders. You're strong. You're determined. You know that you've got something to fall back on. You've got your education piece, which is very important. And you're going to go into that while also juggling your passion. Um, And potentially, you know, this might lead to a career down the road too. So regardless, I think you're on the right track and manifest it. Keep it up because you never know where it might take you. Yes, that's the plan. Just trying to work hard and curl as much as I can and hopefully both work out. Now, Kelly, if you could speak to one part of your experience so far at Algonquin College Pembroke that has been the most memorable, whether it be in the classroom, a professor or classmate, or even something about the school itself that you would recommend to others possibly looking into attending Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus, what would it be? Um, One of my favorite highlights is... And it's fresh in my mind because we just did it in January, um, was doing the wilderness first responder training. Um, It's eight days and it is an intense eight days because you are learning to be a first responder. And in backcountry where supplies is limited, Um, but it was a fantastic course and it was very hands-on, but also learning while sitting in a class um and I think it was the perfect blend of what this program is um but this course because it was a little bit uncomfortable at times and it's pushing people's boundaries a little bit um my classmates and I we all really relied on one another and encouraged one another and supported one another to get through those hard moments and helped each other study in this course and I think it just put together what the program is as a whole it's a small program and you bond with these people immediately and so I have 21 friends for life that I know if I ever come across them in the outdoor industry I can get a good reference or I they have my back if we end up being partners later down the road but they're also talented people and then you're learning from the professionals in the world like some of the greatest people in the outdoor education industry or the outdoor industry in general are working at Pembroke and teaching these courses Jeff Jackson is a risk management guy and he's amazing Jill Baxter from Pal of Canada was teaching our wilderness first responder course and she's outstanding and so you learn these hard skills these soft skills you're making these connections it is a fantastic program that just kind of hits and fills all the boxes. Amazing. Kelly, we're going to be cheering you on for the sidelines. And when you make it big someday, please don't forget about us here in the Ottawa Valley, because we're going to be just watching your journey. Enjoy the rest of your time at Algonquin College and here in Pembroke. And like I said, come back and visit because we will welcome you back in open arms and and just be watching where you where you end up uh, landing. Thank you. Yeah, Pembroke's definitely going to be a part of my memories and a huge part of my curling career for a while, just because I am here at such an influential part of my life. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and for helping to put Pembroke, the city of Pembroke, on the map. Thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. 
Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner meets Algonquin College, Pembroke Waterfront Campus. You can learn more about the Outdoor Adventure Naturalist Program by visiting algonquincollege.com forward slash Outdoor Adventure Naturalist Program and book a virtual tour to explore their campus online. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week.